Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 18. He did not try to play off his displeasure. And Saul looked, verse 9, or he eyed David with suspicion from that day on. That's a miserable place to be, isn't it? You know somebody like that? They've got this person that's a nemesis in their life. And let me just say this to you. If you're being eaten up by someone who's your rival, the skeleton at the feast is you. And that's what happened to Saul. Instead of focusing on the victory for the nation and the success that he enjoyed, he allowed David's success to eat him up. And David tried to honor him as king, but Saul looked on him with suspicion. And it came about on the next day, verse 10, and this is what happens to you when you let suspicion and envy eat you up, that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul. It used to be Saul had the Holy Spirit come mightily upon him, and he raved. There are some scholars that believe that the NIV and New King James having this as prophesied can be correct, but the prophecy is by means of a false spirit. So he may be prophesying or raving, but the, the origin of it is evil. And he's raving about in the house, in the midst of the house, while David was playing his, the harp with his hand as usual. And a spear, <laughs> David had an instrument in his hand and Saul had an instrument in his hand as well. He had a spear. And David was playing. And normally when David played, as we saw in chapter 16, the, there would be a wellness that would come over Saul and the spirit would depart from him. But this time, man, Saul is just full of anger and rage. And Saul, verse 11, hurled the spear and he thought, and maybe this is what he prophesied. I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence. Note this in your Bible. Twice. I don't know if that means you're playing, if it's a guitar or whatever you're playing, nice worship song. Whoa! Exit stage, right? Okay, maybe he didn't mean it. I'm gonna, would you do that? It would only take one time for me. But it happened twice. I don't know if he ducked and tried to keep playing. You know, there are some worship leaders that will keep playing no matter what happens. I used to be on a worship team. They would say, you never stop playing. Never. Because if you stop playing, there's no way to recover from the train wreck. And I remember in the early days being on a worship team, and sometimes we just stopped and we apologized because we were so out of sync that there was no way to hide it. And we just said, stop! Somebody finally said, stop! Just a couple spears we tucked. <laughs> Let's start over again. Anyway. When Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth, he preached in the synagogue and people were uh, enthralled with the wonderful words that fell from his lips. And then he began to speak about times of old and how 
God did certain works with certain people and overlooked others. And the people in the synagogue of Nazareth became so upset, they took him to the brow of the hill and they intended to throw him off. And the Bible says, and Jesus simply passed by. I don't know what he did, if he froze the room or what he did to get by. But David, the anointed one, remember we're looking at shadows and types. He is able to escape and evade Saul. And Saul, look at verse 12, was afraid of David. For the Lord was with him. Wouldn't you think that the next verse would say David was afraid of Saul? But the next verse says that Saul was afraid of David. Do you know that there's some people in your life, you're a Christian, you cramp their style, you're kind of like that light that comes into their darkness, and maybe they lash out at you, but do you know something? This may be an insight for some of you. They're probably more afraid of you than you should be of them. They don't like the light that you have. Maybe that's why they react the way that they do. See, Saul knew that the Lord was with David and had departed from Saul. And literally the language here is that Saul feared David's face. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence. Banished him seems to be the idea, but not fully. But he said, get out of here and appointed him as a commander, as his commander of a thousand. This is a possible demotion because in verse five, it says David was over the army. And now in this verse, he's over a thousand. So it may be that Saul has tried to demote him. And maybe there's even a little slap in the face with the thousand number. And he went out. And he came in before the people, and David was prospering in all his ways, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he was prospering greatly, he dreaded him. The language here literally stood in awe of his face. But all Israel and Judah loved David, the whole nation. And he went out, and he came in before them, before the face of the people. I can't help but think of Jesus when... All the masses were uh, just trying to touch him. So many people love Jesus in Israel. Uh, Think of all the people that he had healed, all the lives that he had touched, and how many people were wounded when just a few people hated him so much that they, you know, pushed him really to the cross. So many people loved the greater David in Israel. Here it says, all Israel and Judah. They loved him, but Saul did not. He's a type of the religious leader. And Jesus in Revelation 2 says to the church at Ephesus, you know, you, you do well. You cannot endure evil men. You put them to the test who call themselves apostles and they are not. You found them to be false. You have perseverance and you've endured for my namesake and you've not grown weary, but I have this against you. Remember what he said? That you have left your first love. That's Revelation 2, verse 4. There are some scholars that think that maybe uh, Jesus is speaking of people's love for one another. But I think the best way to take this is that people had lost some love for God in Ephesus. They loved doctrine. They loved debate. They took some... Uh, impressive stands against false teachers. But they lost love for the Lord. 
you know, that part jumped out at me because I started thinking back to a fire when Jesus looked at his chief spokesman, Peter, and he said to him three times, Peter, do you love me? I think it's, it's good for Christians every, every now and then, seasoned Christians, which I know this room is full of, to take just another look at that. Do you love me more than these? You know, Peter was the guy that said, uh, you know, if everybody forsakes you, I will not. You know, he was proud. Satan had gotten in there. And I think it's always good to revisit your love for God. Saul said to David, here's my older daughter, Marab. I will give her to you as wife. Now, the guy who killed the uh, giant was supposed to get all this stuff. Chapter 17, verse 25 says he would get riches, he would get a wife, he would live tax-free. I don't know if Saul followed through on that. He said, I will give you her as a wife, 17, only be a valiant man for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, my hand shall not be against him. I can't seem to pin him to the wall at the family dinner, (laughs) but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Here's how we'll get it done. I'll promise him my daughter if he'll only fight more battles for me, my battles. And then when he's out on the battlefield, you know what I'll do? I'll just let the battle get hot and I'll let David die. And that's how I'll get rid of him. And you know, there was another man who did the same thing. And shockingly, his name was David. There was a man in his life who wasn't cooperating to cover up his adultery. So David hatched a plan. Hmm. What was trying to be done to him, he did to somebody else. And so Saul is scheming. But David said to Saul, Who am I? And what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? Plus, family dinners and playing music for you is not that safe. That's a Michael Lance edition. But if I was making my list of pros and cons of a woman, I mean, I don't know what Marab was like. I don't know if she was pretty or whatever, but her dad would be enough for me to run for the hills. (laughs) And so... And by the way, when you marry somebody, I don't know if you knew this, but I'll just illumine everybody who's in the room who has not yet experienced marriage. You marry their family. You do. And if they say, there's a wonderful house on our street that you could move into, run. Don't look back. So it came about. At the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Mahalathite, for a wife. Now, it would just appear that David said no. He, he didn't feel worthy, and Merab was given to somebody else. Now, Michal, or Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. Now, have you noticed? Jonathan loves David. M- Michal loves David. Saul's the only one. The whole country loves him. Right? When they told Saul the thing was agreeable to him, NIV says, Now Saul's daughter, Michal, 
was in love with David, and when they told Saul about it, he said, Good, good. Way to go, sweetheart. This fits perfectly into my plan. Merab didn't work, but my call will do just fine. You love him? Great. We'll start making wedding plans right now. Good. Saul thought, I will give her to him that she may become a snare to him. Thanks, Dad. Wow, that's wonderful, isn't it? Have you noticed that Saul's hatred for David has made him lose sight of everything that's good and right? He is so obsessed with destroying David, he can't see anything in life the right way anymore. And that's what hate will do to you. And so he said, oh, well, I'll marry her off to him and the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David for a second time, here it comes, you may be my son-in-law today. Here's the second offer. Now how would she be a snare to him? The term snare is used three times in the Torah to describe the dangers of idols and idol worshipers, Exodus 23.2, 34.12, and Deuteronomy 7.16. In fact, in 1 Samuel 19.13, Michael took the household idol and laid it on the bed to pretend that David was there. She apparently had a weakness towards idolatry, and maybe that's what Saul was thinking. If, if she marries him, she'll become a snare, she'll bend his heart towards idolatry, and God will become his enemy, and then I'll win. This guy's so twisted, he's trying to use everything against David. And Saul commanded his servants and said, speak to David secretly saying, Behold, the king delights in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke these words to David, but David said, Is it, a trivial, is it trivial in your sight to become the king's son-in-law? Since I'm a poor man and lightly esteemed. Saul had some, said something like this earlier when he was in his right mind. And David says, Man, I don't see this lightly and in fact, I'm poor. Here's the idea. I can't provide the dowry. I can't afford her. Now, if he had gotten the reward for killing Goliath, which Saul had apparently promised, he'd be rich. But Saul was not a man who kept his word. David didn't have the money. So he said, what? I can't afford a dowry for this woman. She's the princess. She loved him. He's the national hero. But David's saying, I just can't do it. And the servants of Saul reported to him according to these words which David spoke. And Saul said, thus you shall say to David, all right, here's what you say, guys. The king does not desire any dowry except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Hold on, we'll get back to that. <laughs> to take vengeance on the king's enemies. Now, Saul planned to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Okay, David, I know you don't have a lot of money, but we'll settle up this way. <laughs> All you got to do is take 100 Philistines out and do a little operation on them. I'm taking this literally and not metaphorically. And present it to me, your new father-in-law, and we have a deal. And you see, Saul's thinking the whole time is when David tries to kill 100 Philistines, he'll die. 
I won't have to give my daughter to him and I'll be rid of this guy. And do you remember when uh, David goes out and he's going to challenge the giant? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of Israel of the living God? And so I think King Saul, in kind of a weird sense of humor, says, they're uncircumcised, but I'll tell you what, David, why don't you go ahead and take care of it? Okay, Dad. (laughs) New Dad. It's the first official act I will do as a member of the family. (laughs) Wow. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David to become the king's son-in-law. I don't think he knew all the details of the story. Before the days had expired. So he was given a certain amount of time. Okay, you've got this long to bring me the evidence that you killed a hundred Philistines. So David rose up and went, he and his men, and he struck down how many? 200 Philistines. 200 men among the Philistines. And David, I don't even know what to make of this, folks, brought their foreskins and gave them in full number to the king. He might become the king's son-in-law. So Saul gave him my call his daughter for a wife. And so David came in one day and said, Hey, Dad! (laughs) Uh, I got a present. (laughs) Remember that assignment you sent me on? Well, here I am. Wow. Can you imagine Saul's reaction? I think Saul was, maybe he was just kind of messing around a little bit, like, yeah, right, he's 100, he's dead. And then... You get a knock on the door. (laughs) Who's there? David! (laughs) I wrapped something for you. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. Anyway. When Saul saw, (laughs) 28, and knew that the Lord was with David, I think Saul was a little shocked. (laughs) Like, what in the world? Who is this kid? But now he saw, key word, and he knew. Maybe Saul just hadn't been convinced yet, but now he knew the Lord was with David. And that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him. Then Saul was even more afraid of David. Thus Saul was David's enemy. This word means he hated him continually. He was hostile towards him. And then the commanders of the Philistines went out to battle. And it happened as often as they went out that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. So his name was highly esteemed, or the NIV says his name became well known. And since this is prophetic of the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus became well known all over the land. Everybody was talking about him. And the religious leaders had to do away with him. And it was because of envy. They delivered him up and there was a, a, a feast where they would let one prisoner go and Pilate, trying to get off the hook, after no less than five times saying, I find no fault in him, no guilt, Here, you can either have Jesus is called the Christ or 
Barabbas, who do you want me to deliver up? And the religious leader stirred the crowd and they said, give us Barabbas. Then what shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And you remember what they said, crucify him. And Jesus took, literally took Barabbas' place on the cross. But he also took your place on the cross. That's why he came, the greater David, the anointed one, because he loves us. Even though he was hated and despised and rejected and mocked, the rightful king died that horrible death so that you might be kings and priests. He loved us and washed us and delivered us from our sins in his own blood. That's the king that we serve. Can you follow a king like that? I can. To the ends of the earth and all the way to his heavenly kingdom. Amen? Father, thank you for this timely word in 1 Samuel. Help us not grow weary in doing good You blaze the trail in your own blood by coming to this earth to die for us, born in Bethlehem on what we call that Christmas night, ordained to die for my sin. And yet you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the greater David. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You're our Savior, our Lord, our God, our King and even our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to be seated on your throne. Even now, you are for your people. You ever live to intercede for us. And I even heard a pastor earlier saying, you stand up. When your saints go home, you stand up to greet them like you did Stephen. And you welcome us with excitement and joy. You want us to be there, Lord. You care about individual lives. Thank you that you care about us. With your head and heart bowed, if you don't know Christ, or you need to rededicate your life to his service, now is the time. The world tells you you have tomorrow. The devil will lie to you and say you have all this time, but the Bible says now. Follow him now. You can follow the souls of this world, but they're going nowhere. In the end, the only one you really want to follow is the one who can bring you all the way home, the one who died and rose to defeat death, and the one who has the keys to death and Hades. Trust in him and him alone for your salvation. Just say, Lord, if it's you tonight, just say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me. I want to return to my first love. Save my soul. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I believe you rose from the grave. I repent and receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, you said anyone who comes to you, you will in no wise cast out. So we're going to trust in what you've already spoken that those who've confessed you tonight are saved. Those who have... um, been prodigals, have come home to the arms of a loving Father. And those who are Christians, and maybe they've just been hitting some bumps on this journey, may be encouraged 
to follow the true king. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you endured so much to save us and assure our salvation. And we just want to give ourselves afresh to you, refresh our uh, faith, our love for you, and bless these precious folks. I pray tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? That's what he wants. You know, he says that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the, tr- the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. To know God is to have eternal life, and that life is in his Son. And he who has the Son has the life. Do you have this abundant life in Christ? Come to know him today, my friend. You say, Pastor Michael, how do I do that? Here's how you do it. You simply have to open up your heart by prayer. Something like this. Pray it out loud right now. If you're in your car, if you're at home, if you've been listening for a while, wherever you may be, something like this. Jesus, save me. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sin and I trust in you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to cause me to be born again of your Holy Spirit. I want to follow you, Lord, all the days of my life. You don't have to have a perfect prayer, but you may be a person out there who needs to rededicate their life. And if that's you, then do it now. And just say, Lord, I want to come back home. I'm tired of running. I want to experience your power. I want to slay the giants of weakness and lack of faith, whatever it might be in your life. Get close to some people in Christ who can help sharpen your life. Read through your your Bible. Just take it a chapter at a time. Read a psalm a day. That's a good place to start. Let us know about any decision that you made to get closer to Christ as a result of this radio ministry. That would really encourage us. The way you can contact us is through livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. There's a contact form there. Let us know who you are, where you listen. And if the program has been a blessing to you, we would love to know. Um, We are giving an offer out right now. If you would like a copy of my book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, it's a book that will help you with a daily devotion to overcome temptation and and, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit and do the basics really well. And that's something that I'm focusing on in 2017. I hope you'll join me there. Uh, You can request the book at livingtruthradio.org. Any donation amount will be great. And you'll help us with the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio. LivingTruthRadio.org. Just say in the contact form, hey, I want a copy of Pastor Michael's book. For any donation amount, just click on the donate button and make sure you indicate radio ministry. Hey, thanks for praying for us and thanks for being a faithful listener. Tell a friend about this program you're hearing on the station. And we will catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.